Everyone dreams about living an uncommon life, but how we define that dream is very different for each of us. And for most, it's a lifelong pursuit. Welcome to the Uncommon Life Project Podcast. We're going to introduce you to people who are living that life or enjoying the journey to get there. We're going to also give you some tools, tricks, and tips for starting or accelerating your own efforts to live an uncommon life, a life worth celebrating and savoring. Please welcome your hosts, Brian Dewhurst and Philip Ramsey. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Uncommon Life Project. I am your host, Philip Ramsey. And I am Brian Dewhurst. Thanks for tuning in for another episode. We are so thankful you're here. This episode is going to be really fun for Brian and I because we're talking about starting a business and the seven steps you can actually follow to do so. And I wish Brian and I would have listened to this podcast before we started business. <laughs> so let's get into it because I think there's just a lot of people that want to go down this path and they just want some structure to be able to follow, an outline to follow. We hope to give you this. Brian, what are your f- first thoughts when we start talking about this? Well, I think, you know, one of, I want to take it back so it's synergistic with everything that we're doing. But I think one of the things we're talking about is the seven source residual income. The most powerful one in, uh, you know, our opinion, I would say is business just because it's what we've built. And, um, you know, you look at like a Facebook or a Microsoft, you know, real estate is powerful, but, um, you know, building a business is, is a lot bigger. Um, and so anyways, yeah, I think that and it's one of the seven sources of residual income. And um, I think it's where we're having a lot of interesting conversations with people. Um, this is where they get stuck. Yeah, products and services. Good point. I would say that they really, I mean, just thinking about somebody's passion, you kind of want to start a business. <laughs> you don't normally do something like this and start going down this direction if you're not going to start a business. And so just to give you some legs on that, that's why we really like businesses. So let's get into it. This is uh, also going to be an ebook um, that is available at our website, www.uncommonwealth.com backslash gifts. So there's going to be a lot more meat in this bone. If you want uh, the ebook, you will find it there. Uh, and that's for podcast listeners only. So without further ado, these seven steps or step, seven step checklist to launching your own business. Uh, first, we kind of had what is the main product or service? And so like, what have you specialized in? What are you tinkering with? I think of one of our last podcasts with Christina Moffat, you know, she was just cooking cupcakes and, and baked goods for people at work because the economy was crashing and she was trying to just put smiles on faces. And they were laying people off. <laughs> right. So it's that thing. And, you know, again, most of the time that we're meeting with people, they already have this thing, right? It's not something we're telling you to do. It's something that is inside of you that you can't stop thinking about. You keep messing around with. You keep coming back to whatever that is. That's what we're talking about. Um, but I say the drum beat inside of you, the Jumanji drum. What is that? <laughs> yeah. And so for this though, it's then, it's then, I think, you know, we just recently had a conversation with a couple who has that. They're like, we want to go forward. What do we do first? And it's really galvanizing. What is the main product or service or value that you want to provide? And I think the thing that we talk about, you know, and in this PDF or this ebook that we're creating, we, we have a value ladder 
I really wish we would have spent a lot more time thinking through that and like valuing that, Mm -hmm. you know, in our first seven years, then, then, you know, we're trying to essentially go backwards and fill that in. Yeah. So let's Uh, talk about the value ladder because I have a feeling some of our listeners are like, excuse me, what? And so let's talk through that because I said the same thing. I wish somebody would have told us this. And basically the value ladder is you want to start with your minimum viable product, meaning something that isn't giving you, your clients or your, uh, I don't know, participants full access to you because they have to go buy something and it's, it's a small price, but at least it gives you some kind of cash flow. And Brian and I, I feel like it, when we set up Uncommonwealth Partners, we did it basically opposite is, is that was, we were the solution. You wanted to come in and be a client. You want an awesome plan? Come on in. We wouldn't even charge you anything at that point. And so it was just a lot of labor, a lot of intellectual property that we were just giving away for free. And that's what we wish we would have done something a little bit different and started with a minimum viable product and then started layering it in of maybe more events or you get some of us, but not complete access to us. And so that's kind of what we're talking about when we're talking about value ladder. Yeah. And when you look at the ebook, um, and you look at the value ladder, just think of like a staircase. And essentially what we're saying is we put in the top stair first, which, you know, in hindsight, when you, you know, you quit your job, and you just go all in. There's really not any other choice to do this. We're talking more so of like, you have a nine to five job, you have income, and you're trying to, to launch something on the side without quitting your job. This is kind of the path we're talking about is like, you want to go up the staircase. Mm-hmm. Um, and not like, down the staircase. Here's the one stair that they have, like this ebook we keep talking about. So it's like free shipping book offer. Like you have a book, you'll send it to them for free. Then maybe they have the audio book that you can buy. And then you have a home study course that they can purchase in, uh, online and kind of go through it themselves. Then you have like a six week, some type of like online event. Sure. And then you might have a three day... Yep. Or a certification course or like a three-day live event. And then the last one is like, if you want me to personally help you, that's a value ladder. So we beat that to death, but I think it's important. Super important. And so in that, a lot of times we get people like, it's so daunting because they're viewing it as their only thing or the only way to monetize the idea or the product is to go to the top of the ladder first. Mm-hmm. And what we're saying to people is like, don't do that. Put in one, put in some of these smaller steps first, lay the groundwork for you to go full time and get a following and build up a base and build up content um, and, and give people a pathway to follow you, you know, in terms of your content and expertise. And if you can figure out that small parts of the step of the stairs, you are going to have an exponentially amazing business. <laughs> yeah. So. So hang on. So that's that. Let's go to two trademark patents. So I'd say two at a high level is really just research. Um, And so it's a matter of looking at who else is out there doing this. Um, Who else out there have you seen that you're drawing inspiration from? Like, uh, you know, one of the other books that we've read and kind of talked about is like the, the, there's a red ocean, you know, like everybody's doing it kind of like uh, nutrition and supplements, the red ocean. It's, you know, kind of like basically there's sharks in the water is the point of the book. And you want to find a blue ocean, you know, fresh water where 
uh, you have a niche that or a sub niche that no one else is operating in. And so this is the research phase. You want to check for people like if you if you've got your name, you know, that you want to call this like, is it trademarked? Does somebody else have it trademarked? Is it spelled the same? What's the URL that you want? You know, is it a perfect match? Like if you're, um, you know, you want to start a uh, coffee business, you know, can you get uh, yourcoffee.com, you know, whatever you want to call it specifically.com or does somebody else already own that? Um, those are all the things um, that you need to kind of check out. Google search. Now you need to do a social media search. Uh, and then another one of the important ones is just the secretary of state, you know, and that's actually setting up your legal entity. You know, does somebody in your state have that legal name? Actually, a previous name that Philip and I operated under for a very short period of time uh, was taken by some other guy. He was not in our business, but um, different industry. But, you know, it was taken at the secretary of state level. And um, so we we got out of that rather quickly. And, and so anyways, those are the types of things that we want you to kind of investigate to see what overlap or... Um, you know, competitors are out there. If you're going to be stepping on somebody's toes, because if you do that, the bigger you get, the faster you go, the more likely they are to send you like a cease and desist and to tell you to stop. We own that, you know, intellectual property or we own that patent, that type of thing. And we know specific examples of good friends of ours that have been absolutely killing it and getting complete, uh, I would say, synergies in their business and started to get motivation and started to get enthusiasm. And then they got a cease and desist letter. (laughs) Yeah. So it's real. Yeah. Just like a a punch in the face. So I would really don't minimize this. Um, Mm -hmm. Great ideas. And then you can, you can work around this uh, research and try to figure out secretary of state's a good one for Iowa. Mm-hmm. to go look and just kind of see. And so, um, yeah. All right. So let's go to three, which is Brian's favorite. I'll let it him is, talk. Name it it? <laughs> I don't <laughs> know what it is, but I love naming things. Uh, URLs, uh, logos, and kind of like a branding kit. So go ahead, buddy. Yeah. So this is where you finally lock in. You're like, I've done the research. I've got it all. I'm not infringing on anybody. I'm, uh, you know, kind of like when you watch the old Western movies and they're blazing West on their horses and they each got a flag and they got to go like stake, go stake their it. claim or whatever. This yeah. is that in the 21st century. <laughs> it is. And I'll say just like back in the day, the wild, wild West, things in real estate are getting a little harder to get. Like uh, let's, for example, uncommon wealth was taken and we had to buy that from somebody. Yeah. A couple a grand. Yep. Yeah. So it's harder to find this stuff. And so anyways, this is the part where you're actually going to go buy, um, you know, you're going to buy the URL, you're going to pay someone to do your logo, you're going to get that stuff designed, you're going to get the stuff that you need packaging. Um, You know, I have it on there as a branding kit, uh, business cards, that type of stuff, your social media uh, profile stuff, all that you want to get all that stuff nailed down and your secretary of state you know, incorporating your business and getting everything dialed in. So it's like you own it. It's all synergistic. It all um, complements each other and is the same. And so uh, very important. Yeah. So that's basically naming it. We, we do have another, uh, I would say, step here of corporate structure, your tax ID. So we'll talk through that too. So, all right, let's go to um, number four. We say client education strategy. 
Yeah, um, and this this dovetails back to the value ladder. And normally people would put in here marketing. And I would say this is not marketing. Well, and that's my point is you need to think about it differently. And this is something I think Philip and I have really changed over the last two to three years is, you know, obviously we sell stuff. We're, uh, we're a business, but we want to educate people. And we feel like the more that we educate people, you know, I think one of the things you say, Philip, that I always just love when you say it, it's just like so refreshing. Yeah. You know, people can make good decisions when they're presented with the right information. Mm-hmm. And, you know, people inherently know what they want and they know what is going to suit them one when they're presented with multiple options and they're educated and so we really just feel feel our job is to educate people and all the different things that you can do with your money and all the different ways you can build wealth and that's you know one of the big reasons we started the podcast to just show people how many different ways there are to build wealth and people that are having fun doing it and so this client education strategy is really that value ladder and really coming up with how are you going to get your information out there and how are you going to present it in a way that, um, you know, asserts your expertise and passion and, and, um, you know, discipline that you've put forth to, to acquire all this knowledge and understanding. For sure. And I would say that I get on my pedestal on this because I don't know if you've ever heard of the A, B and C of sales, always be closing. I think that is the dumbest thing I've ever heard. And I don't know if you like to go into a used car salesman, but no one else does. <laughs> and so when people try to close you or try to slide over the pen and then push over the piece of paper and just wait for you to sign there, it just seems like the biggest Ponzi. Like It just leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And so that's one thing that we have never done in our practice um, is is close somebody. In fact, our biggest closing question is like, hey, what do you want our next steps to be? And if it's like, I never want to talk to you two yahoos again, it's like, hey, great, no problem. <laughs> and, you know, it's it's okay. And so to me, it's really educating people um, with their different options for our business. And I'm I'm hopeful that this uncommon strategy will be something that you'll kind of take into account of how are you going to be different in the marketplace? Because you just can't be the same. There's too many people out there. They probably try to do the same. So Definitely. we're kind of imploring you to try something different. All right. Number five, corporate structure and getting your tax ID, which is kind of cool, but also kind of sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is another one where I, I think Philip and I <laughs> both wish we would have found our corporate structure that we're currently in faster than we did. Mm-hmm. And basically we were LLC. Uh, before filing as an S corp, and so I wish you know we would have done that sooner. But we're here and now. That was probably from our tax guy that helps us. So we're not tax advisors. We don't give tax advice. But from our perspective and from our, I guess, personal case, it made sense to do that from a different perspective. So both Brian and I do feel like getting a lawyer involved here is probably worth it. Um, I'm kind of the guy who likes to do things right from the beginning, um, and so yet. Yeah, costs a little bit more money for you to get a lawyer, but way worth it at the end and getting everything kind of dialed in. Um, So then you can get that tax ID number. It does cost a little bit, but then also talking to like a tax professional to be like, hey, should I be self-employed? Should I be a sole proprietor? Should I be an LLC, LLP, S Corp, C Corp? Uh, There's just a lot of different things and people can help you. And if you kind of give them and cast the vision to them, they can help you kind of work through which one might be the best one for you. Yeah. And just asking a ton of questions of like, 
how can I do this? Not so much like, can I do it? It's like, how can I do it? Yep. Um, and so I think pushing your accountant and your attorney is helpful because, you know, they don't want to go. And I'm not saying do anything illegal or shady. It's just like, there are so many different, you know, I don't say loopholes because I feel like that makes it you yeah, know, dirty. This is what I'll say to try to edify your point without going into the whole thing. Tax people, they just want you to make no money. So you don't pay any taxes. <laughs> right. And like, not helpful. Actually, let's try to pay a million dollars worth of tax. <laughs> like, switch the mindset on them a little bit. Like, taxes are okay, but make help me make a lot of money too. So, um, and then lawyers, I think, are just always going to tell you the pitfalls of every decision you make, at least in our experience. Yeah. Um, and they're not really helpful. Be like, hey, and if I were sitting where you were, this is what I would do. I've never really heard of a lot of lawyers do that. I've just heard of like, hey, I think I might go down this route. Yeah, well, you could, but uh, <laughs> uh, that would be bad, and this would be horrible, and and then you're like, well, I'll try this one, and oh, well, that would be bad. This would be horrible, and so anyway, yeah, right so you just where I started, <laughs> yeah. And then here's my favorite part about lawyers. I love you guys, so hear me. But you say like, I'm gonna go this way, and they're like, oh yeah, that's a really good idea. Like, well, why weren't you there an hour ago? <laughs> why didn't you help me? Anyway, so that's that, and that's what we'll say about that. But I do think they're valuable, and I think. Um, we have one down here that I won't, I won't spoil the deal, but all right, let's go to six bank accounts. Yeah. So you, obviously, if you're going to start a business, you need to have business accounts, um, checking, savings, credit cards, that type of stuff. Uh, and you're going to want that in the business name and tax ID. So you can't do this step until you do the previous step. Mm-hmm. Uh, and once an attorney and CPA get you set up, then you can open bank accounts, credit cards, et cetera, the things that you're going to need to do business. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, uh, it's just the tax ideas like your social security number, but the business is going to have a different one and, uh, you need to get that and use it. And then, uh, kind of the other thing that I think is helpful is just, we kind of talk about it in, you know, the terms of a Chinese wall, you really got to isolate your business expenses and business transactions into your business accounts and don't commingle them into your, your personal accounts, credit cards, that type of stuff. Because if you're not keeping good books and records, it gets really muddy water at the end of the year. And as you grow, um, it's just a mess. You know, this is, this is like, we need to yell this from the rooftops. (laughs) It is a mess. Try to keep that iron wall up and don't commingle the accounts. Have a business account, have a personal account for, so our industry is really weird because we get, we have a securities license. And so we have to get paid through our personal social security number, which I have like a specific swing account, I call it. So I get paid personally and it goes straight over to the corporation. So there's pretty easy from the accountant standpoint, but I'm telling you, you guys mess that up once or twice and it just gets ugly quick. (laughs) So try to keep that iron wall up, man, from experience. Mm-hmm. do that. And then the last one is books and accounting. Yeah. This one's a little different. It sounds the same, but it's actually different. It really is. So first of all, let's just talk about, there's kind of two types of accounting. Um, and Brian, you do a really good job of walking through this. So go ahead. Well, there's, I call it the gray. <laughs> yep. So the first like point six is like the, just 
the cash, like the cash flow of the deal. Then there's another side of it that's the actual accounting of it. Mm-hmm. And you got to kind of think of it in two different ledgers. Um, and so in this, and why I put books in accounting is a lot of times people are like, oh, I'm going to set up a business or we're going to start doing this and this. And it's like, well, how are you going to track that? Because you're going to have thousands of transactions. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how are you going to, on a monthly basis, um, balance everything, account for everything, and then pay people, you know, like payroll, that type of stuff. And and so people just don't appreciate that, I think, as much. Um, you know, we had a gentleman evaluating a franchise and it's like, you know, is the franchise going to provide the accounting software, or the point of sale software to, you know, people to sign up for your, for your business and buy stuff from you, you know, or is that something that you have to figure out? Because it's a huge deal. I mean, you know, the business is projected to be netting, you know, three quarters of a million dollars, you know, and by year two or three, well, you don't want to switch systems. Uh, if you have that type of growth in front of you, you want to be on that system from day one and know how to do reporting and how to do, you know, handle everything the proper way. So there's no mistakes. Yep. Um, and so this is the actual bookkeeping, the accounting, the payroll, um, more of the back end, um, as opposed to just someone paid me and it went into my bank account. Yep. And then I think there's another side to this accounting and it's more of like business evaluation or like, how am I going to audit my own business for myself? Knowing like how much is an average client worth? What is the biggest profit for me and my business? Like that's kind of a different kind of accounting. I think it's important, but this one is like having an audited financial uh, CPA or an accountant doing your, uh, I would say books and records. I think that's so valuable. And here's why. Because when you start this uncommon path and you start a business, every bank looks at you like you're a crook. <laughs> like they like, like, you're not using my money because they feel like you're not legit, blah, blah, blah. You need to be in business for two years so I can truly see that you're not going to go under. Because like the statistics are pretty high that business fail. And so to have audited financials, I think really gives you credibility right away. And so personal experience, we have audited financials from day one of our personal corporation, my wife and I, and then from our Uncommon Wealth. Um, and then I work on that every month as I, I go line by line and then I send over my accountant. And then Brian does more of the, um, I would say, profit of our book and kind of do some evaluation on that kind of stuff, which is super helpful for us when we're talking about our business. But when I get this report back from our accountant, I really don't look at it, but I put it in the binder. And then personally, when we were going to go and buy a house, we weren't in business for two years yet, but we had audited financials. And so they could figure out like all the dollars in and out and we got the loan. Um, So that was a huge thing that I was so grateful we had. Um, And it made us look way more credible to the bank. So I would say having audited financials, although it's an investment for sure, it does make you more credible in the banks. So, yeah. And I think too, the last point on that is if, you know, the, the tough part about owning a business, especially in the first, I would say seven to 10 years, you know, depending on your trajectory and all that, but is, you know, there's not that nice little quarterly statement like your 401k that tells you how much it's worth. Good point. And so the more you track your numbers and the more, you know, accountable you are to what's actually happening in your business, the more confident not only you're going to be, 
you know, and what the value potentially is, but what the, you know, other people, when they start to look mortgage lenders, you know, commercial lenders, uh, if you were to get into a merger situation or something happens and you would have to sell your business, you know, operating with that end in mind, you know, Philip and I have no intention of selling our business, but things come up and it's good to know what that number is. And then just psychologically of like, man, we don't have as much in our 401k as other people, but we have this other asset over here. Yeah. We're pouring our blood, sweat, and tears into. It's, it's helpful to know ballpark-wise of like, no, oh, there might actually be a value to that. Absolutely, um, great point. And so, just psychologically, it's it's really important to to know your numbers. And I think some of the things we've talked about, you know, in articles. I think we did an episode on just financial guilt and shame. You know, one of the first things that starts when you're in that is not knowing your numbers and not wanting to look each month at what's actually happening in your business. And if you're there. Uh, please ask for help. We're here to help. Like anybody, get help. Like don't go down that path very long because it's dangerous. Yeah. And, um, and yeah, you just want you to know you're not alone. And so, yeah, I, I would say too, it's just so valuable just to be around like-minded people that are going down this path of starting their own business. Um, asking for mentors and help is always, I think, so needed. And I think that's probably my pride is probably not doing that as much, but. We're definitely right here. So these seven-step checklist to launching your business, we'll just kind of go through them quick. What is the main product or service? Get your trademark, do your research, patent name, do some research on you know security of state. Number three, name, URL, logo, some type of kit um, that you could put together, maybe business cards, that kind of stuff, websites. Um, and then number four is client education strategy. Um, not marketing, but just how are you going to conduct yourself in front of clients? Um, creating the value ladder we talked about. Uh, number five is corporate structure, tax ID. Number six is bank accounts, credit cards, et cetera. And number seven is books and accounting for your business. So hopefully that gives you a little roadmap uh, to starting your own business. We do think it's very exciting. It's almost like naming a child or... <laughs> Or or doing something amazing, it, there is some kind of satisfaction you get from from doing something like this. And at the end of the rainbow, yeah, it's hard work, but man, I wouldn't have it either way. Like if somebody said, "Hey, I'll give you five hundred thousand dollars in a four hundred one k, or you can have uncommon wealth," I'd be like, <laughs> over and over, give me uncommon wealth. Thank you very much. <laughs> so, so yeah, thank you for listening. Uh, that is our twenty five minutes for today. Uh, man, we really value uh, having you as a guest. Again, if you'd like this ebook or any other other ebooks that we have, please go to uncommonwealth.com forward slash gift. Uh, that'll be for you. You just have to put your uh, email in and uh, you can have access to that. So thank you for listening. You've been listening to the Uncommon Life Project. I've been your host, Philip Ramsey. And I'm Brian Dewhurst. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye. That's all for this episode of the Uncommon Life Project. Brought to you by Uncommon Wealth Partners. Be sure to visit UncommonWealth.com to learn more about our services. Don't miss an episode as we introduce you to inspiring people who are actively pursuing an uncommon life.